Front page of The Australian today has a story about BHP pushing the federal government to lift its prohibition on nuclear energy. Uh, BHP saying that uh, we need to include nuclear if we're serious about achieving climate targets in both 2030 and 2050. And, of course, BHP uh, has uh, the Olympic Dam Mine, which is one of the biggest known, if not the biggest, single-deposit uranium mine in the world. It's, it'll be right up there, number one, two or three, and uh, is uh, quite uh, on our doorstep. So we've got the stuff here. We're going to be having submarines that are powered by nuclear, but for some reason we can't talk about it going beyond that point. And Rebecca Null, who I've spoken to before, she's CEO of the SA Chamber of Mines and Energy, a big supporter of small modular reactors. They're about the size of a a truck and uh, powerful enough to, they can be put wherever you want and power up a a small city, essentially, you know, a town, Port Piri, Port, maybe, maybe that big, I don't know, but let's find out. Rebecca's on the line. Good morning. Good morning, Matthew. So, all right, BHP leading this push, and, you know, it seems common sense. We're going to have subs, yet we we still can't talk about nuclear for industry. Yeah, look, we're absolutely delighted that BHP is leading this push uh, federally um, with the government. Um, the Chamber has always had a long-standing position that all low-emission technologies should be considered as part of our future energy mix because we are on a pathway to rapid decarbonisation and we need every tool in the toolkit to, to get us there. Um, On top of that, as you've mentioned, South Australia is already a nuclear jurisdiction. Uh, We supply approximately 25% of the world's uranium. um, And overall, we hold about a third of the world's uranium reserves. So we are currently assisting, and BHP particularly, um, not being the only um, uranium miner, but one of the large ones here in South Australia, we are helping the rest of the world to decarbonise uh, but not giving ourselves the same opportunity, which does does seem slightly mad. Yeah, yeah, it does, to say the least. <laughs> small modular reactors, how do they work? So small modular reactors are what, uh, as they are described, um, what is difficult and what the, your listeners uh, may be thinking of is those big fission reactors of uh, Fukushima and Chernobyl oh, and Hinkley in the UK. The Simpsons. They are not... Yeah, the Simpsons, exactly. Um, so SMRs are not that. They are small advanced nuclear reactors. They've got a power capacity of up to about 300 megawatts. Um, and so they've got about a third of the generating capacity of one of those traditional nuclear power reactors. Um, but they are a bit more plug and play. So um, we've always said here in South Australia, we don't, we're not asking or calling for 100% nuclear energy. Um, nobody's doing that anywhere around the country. We're calling it as part of the mix. Now, South Australia had 300 megawatts of uh, nuclear power here in SA. We'd have fantastic base load to support our renewable ambitions, to support hydrogen ambitions, to support manufacturing, but we'd also decarbonise very quickly. So the SMRs, um, they are well advanced um, in other jurisdictions. Um, um, there's currently um, a lot of uh, reactors um, large-scale reactors, but not SMRs. So one of the one of the anti-arguments is that, well, there are no SMRs being built anywhere in the world. Well, there are, um, and Canada is taking, very definitely taking a lead on that. Um, and, you know, we need to be looking to those jurisdictions. Every other G20 nation is looking to nuclear to help them to decarbonise, and we are the only, we are very much an outlier because we still have a federal prohibition on nuclear. 
So we can't have those conversations about building a business case or seriously looking at costs because it's actually banned in law. Right. So you can't even go down the path of a business case. That's banned. Well, you could, but why would you? Because at the end of the day, we've got two acts of parliament that are forbidding nuclear power. um, And until those prohibitions are overturned, no sensible business person is going to look at oh, what, what would happen if I built an SMR? How would that improve my business? Because mm. you, you basically can't. What's really interesting, Matthew, and I think a lot of people are not aware, back in 2016 when Kevin Scarce led the Royal um, Commission, um, and obviously that was looking at waste, but one of the things, the outcomes, was he said it was not commercially viable and most people finished the quote there, but he went on to say that it might be necessary in the future. And his quote was actually, nuclear power may be necessary along with other low carbon generation technologies. It would be wise to plan now to ensure that nuclear power would be available should it be required. And we would argue that we're, you know, seven years since the major blackout here in South Australia, we still don't have an energy transition plan. and We still have a prohibition on one of those key energy sources that would help us to decarbonise. Interestingly, that Royal Commission also went on to say the report specifically recommended that the South Australian government pursue removal at the federal level of the existing prohibitions to allow it to contribute to a low-carbon electricity system Mm. if required. So nothing's happened there. Um, Neither side of our politics have uh, pursued that recommendation. Um, so we're delighted that uh, industry has stepped up and stepped in, mm. um, in, in in the form of BHP uh, putting a proposal to the federal treasury to overturn that prohibition because it is absolutely the step that needs to occur. Yeah, all right. So it makes it makes sense. Now, the worst thing that could have happened to the nuclear industry, I suppose, after Hiroshima and Nagasaki is Chernobyl, Three Mile Island. Um, and, uh, and the other one somewhere, I just forget where now, but uh, uh, these, these, these accidents that have occurred over years and people say, well, it's, it's unsafe, it's clearly unsafe. Uh, can you put that to bed? Well, and here we are in, in uh, New South Wales where we operated the Opal uh, reactor for a number of decades very safely. Is that Lucas So that Heights? concern doesn't, doesn't exist in um, you know, where we're dealing with nuclear every day of the week. And also here in South Australia, you know, we have got a very highly uh, regulated um, system. We host the only port in the nation that's approved for export of uranium products. We've got really well-developed regulatory frameworks. They govern the whole uranium supply chain. We've got a number of operators. So I'd like to think that in Australia, we have got the ability to regulate and operate safely. Um, and, you know, we've got track records of, of dealing with uh, difficult issues across the nation and doing it really well, yeah. particularly here in South Australia, where we are mining so much uranium and transporting it every day of the week. Yeah, that's the part that makes no sense. So a small nuclear reactor then, I, I suppose, or modular reactor, you, you'd make it as powerful as within a limit, I guess. But is it enough to power a town? Is, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So... You know, if you were looking, for example, to, um, you know, a lot of people say, well, where, where do you put these things? Well, the best place to probably put them in Australia is right next to um, ex- to coal-fired power stations that are closing down um, because they already have the transmission network. So yeah. unlike renewables where you've got to build new transmission networks, 
they already exist on the site, on, on industrial sites like coal-fired power stations. Mm-hmm. Also, there's application, for example, in the Upper Spencer Gulf. We've got a lot of industrial activity up in the Gulf. That's also where the government's hydrogen ambitions lie. Um, and if we are going to be exporting hydrogen in the future, we need to be able to make a lot of it. Um, and what a fantastic opportunity to do that with a low-carbon electricity source because once we open the interconnector to New South Wales there will be a demand for our renewable energy. Sure we have days where there's surplus but we also have a lot of days where we don't have um, <clears throat> have enough power. <clears throat> Excuse me. So baseload power still remains critically important. BHP has underlined this. When you're running smelters or when you're running factories 24-7 yeah. you need baseload power. And nuclear will deliver that. Is it ultimately going to bring down our power prices? That's the hip pocket question because we, we know where it's going at the moment in the wrong direction and we want to see cheaper power. Now, I imagine in the interim, nothing's going to be cheaper, but long term? Well, I, th- I think we just need to look at renewables. It was promised that renewables would bring down the price of power. They've done absolutely the opposite. And they've done the opposite because it's an intermittent power source. I'm a supporter of our renewables. There is absolutely a place for renewables in the mix. But they have increased the price of electricity, not decreased it. Um, And there is a lot more infrastructure that will need to be invested in. Uh, There's figures in the order of $1.3 trillion for us to achieve 100% renewable nationally. Um, So these are big numbers um, and still no promise of the power pricing coming down. I think this is where South Australia really is in a very much in a leadership position. We started the energy transition seven years ago when the Northern Power Station was shut down. Uh, We then had four months after that closed. We had a statewide blackout. And I would say that South Australians are arguably the most Um, energy literate in the country because we've had to be and companies have had to be. So power prices are not coming down with renewable energy Um, across the world in other jurisdictions where nuclear is used, their power prices are considerably lower than ours. But again, it's part of the mix. It's not an all or nothing proposition. Um, You know, some people talk about needing 3,000 megawatts of power in um, in South Australia from nuclear, we don't need that. That's mm, our mm. that's our peak load in the middle of summer. We 300 megawatts would do quite nicely. Yeah. All right. And therefore the cost would be lower. Rebecca, really appreciate your time and insight. Thank you.